false confidence and calculated promises All in your conversation I hate people that feel entitled Look at me crazy cause I ain't invited you What's going on everybody? This is the Last Word Podcast. I am Angela Lippa. I'm Steve Artebello. And wherever you're listening, Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you are listening, we appreciate you listening. If you have subscribed, we appreciate it. Five stars. Five stars. If you haven't, then you just discovered this great podcast. As you can see, we have a lot of friggin' episodes, <laughs> a lot of sports to talk about. Uh, subscribe. We do these weekly. We're a little late this week. We've had some inclement weather. I know some people in the Midwest of the United States, they've dealt with a lot worse oh, than we yeah. have. Oh, They're yeah. like basically a floating Antarctica right now. Yeah, like I complain about the cold here in Toronto. I got some buddies that live out west. One specific one that, Michael Dean, I don't know how you work outdoors when it's minus 40 in God, Saskatchewan. God bless. All right, <laughs> just God, God bless. You're a brave soul. And good luck. Anyways, a lot to discuss on this episode of The Last Word. Uh, we're going to start off with something that happened actually after we had recorded the previous podcast, and that was the list of this year's Hall of Famers, the inductees, uh, all four, some some on their last try and and some you know on their their first try uh Mike Musina uh and one that happened to be unanimous which shouldn't have been the first and, one to be unanimous yeah, and we'll get into him but uh, we'll start off Mike Musina um he got 76.7% of the votes and as you so know he just so he in. just slid in on his it's, this is his 6th year of eligibility sliding in you know he had a he had a solid career playing with both the Orioles and the Yankees Moose, as most of New York and the Orioles fans will know, you know, he's one of the reasons the Yankees won. You know, he was just that solid pitcher that they needed when they were building this that early that ninety mid nineties dynasty that happened. And you know, two hundred and seventy wins, three point six eight ERA, you know, one point one nine two whip. You know, not a bad not a bad stat line for Who a, also pitched in the AL East in the height of the steroid era when the Yankees and Red Sox were almost unsolvable. Yeah, to, so to have that type those type of numbers mm-hmm. in that era mm-hmm. in those small ballparks in a division like the AL East yeah. is really impressive. Not a, not a big walks guy, only gave up 785 walks as a pitcher. 376 home runs given up, you know, 2,813 strikeouts, which is, as you mentioned, in the juiced ball era, as they will call it, is quite a lot. <laughs> Sorry, it's quite, it's not a lot, but it's it's not a lot to give up for a pitcher of his caliber. You know, if you would have told me Mike Messina wasn't going to get in the Hall of Fame, you know, it was nothing I would have, like, bitched and moaned about. But he's a Hall of Famer. But he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he was a good, solid pitcher. He deserves pitcher. it. And not going to complain, not going in with any uh, logo on the hat that he's going to wear. I guess doesn't want to piss off New York or Orioles fans because he kind of... He spent a lot of time in both organizations. Yeah, so, so out of respect, going with the no logo, which is okay because even some of the earlier guys, they don't really have logos on their hats. So it's kind of like... it's. I know it's the big thing, but understandable. I, I give him a pass on it. It makes sense. I, I'm sure both organizations are just happy. It's another Hall of Famer. It's not a Yankee-grown talent, but you know, it's still a... a and his best years weren't with the Orioles. Yeah, they they were, were with the Yankees, but so. the, the Orioles are the one that cultivated his career, so mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. And uh, moving on to uh, 
won the well tied. Well, we'll start off with the man who was on his last year of eligibility. How my yeah. man. No idea how he was on the last year of eligibility, but Edgar Martinez, the greatest DH of all time, easily the greatest, and that includes Big Poppy. Look at the numbers; oh, he's no. the greatest on, DH of all time. The numbers because I have him, I have him saved on the old Instagram. Where was he? Where was it? Did I lose it? Of course, I freaking lost it. But <laughs> basically, every stat minus home runs, Edgar Martinez had better in. Yeah, he had better. He had better. You know, hits. He had more hits, more RBIs. Uh, he hit doubles like it was his doubles, job. He, oh, and by the way, it's not like he didn't hit home runs. No, no, he hit bombs. He it's could just he, It's just he could also hit 50 doubles in a season because he was that good. Adam, um, Adam Shine, uh, for any of you that uh, follow him, he's on CBS Sports and he's a little on Sirius XM and whatnot, was saying, he's a, and he's a big Yankee fan, and he has said, he's like, I never, when those early, those glory Seattle Mariners days, when they had Griffey and A-Rod and Edgar, he's like, I didn't fear Griffey. I didn't even fear A-Rod. He's like, I feared Edgar because he did damage against him. He never, he would never strike out against him. Let me let me just read you Edgar Martinez's triple slash line. This is, if, you don't, if you're not a big baseball fan, these are the three stats you look at most for a hitter in baseball. Mm. They're average, they're on base, and they're slugging. Edgar Martinez, career, this is his career averages. 312 batting average, 418 on base, 515 slugging. That's 345. That's incredibly hard to do. To have a 300 batting average means you're an elite hitter. To have a 400 on base means you are an elite on base person. To have a slugging percentage over 500 means you hit the ball really goddamn hard and you get a lot of extra base hits. His career OPS, in case you were wondering, is 933. A 900 OPS doesn't even happen every season in the big leagues with all of the players combined and Edgar averaged that. His entire career. They said, I was reading, uh, also with uh, my uh, the show that Adam Shine there, he was uh, he was talking to somebody from uh, who covers the MLB and the Athletic, and they were talking about Edgar Martinez. And one, the fact that why was he taking this long? But secondly, they said if there's a, 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 a new equation that they've used to sort of readjust some stats. OPS Plus. OPS it, takes an, plus. it takes into account uh, ballparks, the era in which yeah. they played in. Yes. It, it takes every, it's, it's a way to try to take everything into account. They said his OPS Plus was like 1.2 or 1 point, like very high. One of like, the highest of like all time. The, one of the highest of all times, like higher than Nolan Arenado, higher than he like also Chris played Bryant. At Safeco. Well, it's yeah. now called Safeco, and that's a he played, large ballpark. Well, he played at Safeco for a little bit, but also played at the Kingdome, which was before they went out to the new Safeco field. So He was actually part of that team that got, like the Griffey team that got Safeco built because they were so good. Yeah, like just an amazing player. The fact that it's his last, it was his last year of eligibility in the he had to wait this long is a little insane. A little? A little insane. Like, you know, like... DH is a position, too. And, oh, by the way, he played third base, and it wasn't like he was awful at it. No. He was better at third base than David Ortiz was at any point in his career at first. Yeah, so why took And I love long? Poppy. I just want to say that. Like, just because just I called Edgar Martinez the greatest DH of all time, mm-hmm. that's a fact. It's not that I don't love Poppy because I had this conversation with Angelo. I'm a Blue Jays fan. 
Big Poppy did a lot of damage against the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. But you know what the most frustrating thing about Big Poppy was? You cannot hate Big Poppy. No, he's got a smile. So I love him. So I get it. And yeah, he's a Red Sox, and I should hate him, but he's too hard to hate because he's too amazing and happy and just like he's, a giant, so, he's like a giant teddy bear yeah he's so great so this isn't out of some kind of david ortiz hate because i'm from a fan base that he terrorized and my god he terrorized his <laughs> fan base it's because edgar is that good you know 2247 hits you know you can't complain three like you mentioned over 1200 rbi even at 49 stolen bases mm-hmm. all right very impressive. Very impressive. The fact that it was the 309 10th. home runs yeah. for a guy that wasn't a home run hitter still hit over yeah. 300 of them. Why it took this long? No idea. Baseball writers, they're a funny bunch. Very, very funny bunch. On to the third member of this class. I know someone probably near and dear to Stevens Hart and many oh, Blue man. Jays fans. And glad that he's on. Like, should have been a first ballot. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, Roy Halliday, the doctor. Going into the Hall of Fame, first ballot got 85.4% of the votes as well. They're my early Blue Jays fandom. This team was atrocious, embarrassingly bad for a lot of it. And you know who wasn't? You know who is still a draw to go to the stadium anytime he pitched? Roy Halladay. He won a Cy Young with this team. With a team that couldn't score at one point, that played with the Red Sox and the Yankees in the same division. This is before extra wild cards. Yes. Okay? The, the second wild card didn't exist. And the Blue Jays, even at their best, couldn't come anywhere near the Yankees or the Red Sox. But you know what I got to see every fifth day? A potential victory, because Roy Halladay took them out. Mm-hmm. And Halladay is the last of these pitchers, because he still, since the day he retired, leads the MLB in complete games. Think about that for a second. 67 of them, actually. 67 complete That doesn't games. happen. No. And you know why? Uh, again, I, uh, this is good. He needed to do that because he need, if he was going to win, he needed you pitch the whole game because mm-hmm. the Blue Jays were that bad. We will never see that type of pitcher again. No. Not in this, not in this era. The way like no people are being pitchers are being used as openers, as you know, middle like long, guys pitch four innings, throw yeah. it as hard as you can, and dock through hard. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he didn't throw a hundred, and he didn't need to. No. And real quickly, there's a lot of people really bent out of shape that he doesn't have a Blue Jay on his hat. Would I like to see Roy Halladay as a Blue Jay? You're damn right. I'd like to see him go into the Hall of Fame as a Blue Jay. Does the fact he have a blank space on his hat? Take away any of the memories I had. No. And for and and one more thing for the people who are losing it on his widow and children. If you cannot hear the disdain in my voice, I will let this be known. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and two, yes, there are videos of Roy talking about wanting to go in as a Blue Jay. You don't think his wife would know a little bit more about what he would have wanted than what fans are gathering from, what, five seconds of video? Can can we have a little common sense? Just a little. Just a little bit. A little bit. He's going. And I said this before it was even announced by his wife that he would go in with no emblem on his hat. Right. I told friends of mine, Yes, he had most of his career here. He had he won a Cy Young here. 
He pitched a perfect game in Philly. He pitched a playoff no-hitter in Philadelphia. I am a diehard Blue Jays fan. And I was I was worried he was going to go in as a Philly because he has those type He really he did very important things with that franchise. Yeah. They helped they helped get him to a World Series. He almost won one there. Yeah. He didn't come anywhere close to one here. No, he didn't even sniff the playoffs. Never mind never mind World Series. It so, was playoffs. So get, playoffs. Playoffs. Sorry, I had to I do love it. that Jim Moore. I love, I love it so that. much. But that's that's what I mean. Again, I'd love to see him glow in it, yeah. go as in a Blue Jay. Of course I would. Mm-hmm. Does him going in with a blank hat affect me in any way? No, because you and many Jays fans will remember him for all the good memories, for everything that he did yeah. for a franchise that at the time was doing two, Tooney two, Tuesdays. And for those who don't know what a Tooney is, that might be listening south of the border, a Tooney is $2. Yep. We have a coin designed and we call it a Tooney. And they used to give out tickets for $2 to sit in the upper bowl because they wanted to get people in the in into the Sky, then Skydome and now Rogers Center. That's how bleak it was here in Toronto for a very, very long time. And he kept fans around. Look, there's a reason why when you still go to Jay's games, even after the fact that he left, people still had Roy Halladay jerseys. Mm-hmm. And forever will have Roy Halladay jerseys because of the good memories, because he's another Hall of Famer in the Blue Jays' history. Everything that he did, whether it's his two Cy Youngs, the eight the eight All-Star games that he, he had, eight seasons of pitching 200 innings, Okay, eight which that'll never happen again. Just, okay, and think about that—that'll never All happen right. again. Leading the MLB in wins twice. I mentioned the sixty-seven complete games, two hundred and three wins. He's got a perfect game, a postseason no hitter. He's already an inductee in the the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. His number is retired by the Jays on the level of excellence, also by the Phillies on their Wall of Fame. There, like. When you go to Cooper, if you're a Jays fan and you go to Cooperstown, you're gonna see Roy Halladay's play. Are you gonna be really up? No, you're gonna be you're gonna be proud because hey, there's Roy Halladay. That's a guy that I watched when the Jays were freaking absolute that's, garbage. That's a guy that is part of the reason I love baseball so much. Okay, and you want to talk about just absolute level of respect? Okay, Derek Jeter had you know he talked about facing Roy Halladay because he faced Roy Halladay a lot, being in the same division, and he said. He, this is his words. That sinker and that cutter. I tried to just guess which way it's going to go, and I always guessed wrong. Like Doc did dominate you in his career, and that also was the, the amount so, that, that made me feel good. He is. He was so good. How bad I would have loved him to be a Yankee. Like it would have been like I. I would love it. That would have made me cry. I know it would have made you. Cry. I would have cried. But like dead serious tears. Like actual would have happened. But his career, it was. No doubt a Hall of Famer. Glad there was no fucking around yeah. with the with the oh, we're not gonna make him a first ballot. No, no. First ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt. The numbers didn't just imagine if he had a team. That's the thing. Imagine, imagine if those Blue he Jays had teams a freaking and not team. even just not even not even that they were good teams, if they were competent teams. Yeah. Who did he have? Yeah, Troy Johnson. Reed jo- Troy Gloves, Johnny McDonald, like <laughs> Frank, yeah, Frank Shannon, Thomas, Shannon Stewart. Yeah, was, no, I don't think he, I don't think he was there when Frank Eric Thomas Hinsky, was there. Eric Hinsky, Vernon Wells for when he was okay. Well, Vernon Wells when he was good. Yeah, like what, what was Darren Frank Fletcher, Catalanato, Frank, like 
Oh. Russ Adams, the shortstop they drafted oh. instead of Troy Tulowitzki, <laughs> who then ended up being a Blue Jay, and that didn't really didn't work out well. <laughs> oh, it did when he first got him. Yeah, when they first got him, the playoff runs. But uh, the fact that he's people are upset that he's look, it's the right call to just it's respecting both fans because at the end of the day, is he getting the choice? Unfortunately, no, because he's that's he, the thing. He's on. To, he's passed on, and. And I would assume his wife would know yes. what his last wishes were, or in general would have had conversations yeah. with him that we weren't privy to. Yeah, we see. Hey, one more thing before we get off of this. You know, if you're in a city where you used to play and they happen to ask you if you went to the Hall of Fame what you would wear, what the fuck did you think he was going to say to the Toronto media? You know what, guys? Thanks for all that time, but I think I'd go in a Philly. Yeah, come on. Let's, like, let's. We don't. Yeah, you got five seconds of video of him saying he wanted to be a Blue Jay. And again, I'd love to be able to go to Cooperstown and see his plaque with a Jay's hat on it. But it doesn't take anything away no. from the time he spent here. No doubt about it. And on to, well, the man who has now been is the first unanimous Hall of Famer, which is, look. I'll get into the guy first. The fact that this player is the first is an absolute joke. It's not that Mo is the greatest closer of all time. He is. That's just that's just the facts. I get that Babe Ruth didn't go in. I know the original ones. Yes. Right? Babe Ruth, Ted Williams was one that didn't go. Hank. The fact that Hank Aaron, who is the like people have dubbed him the home run king because of what's happened with what happened with Barry Bond. He wasn't. Yeah. Like so and, and it was because that Babe Ruth didn't get in at the beginning, and if he's not a, a mm-hmm. unanimous Hall of Famer, nobody else was. And it started to change. And yes, I I love and we talked about this actually early on in this mm-hmm. podcast series. That I had a bad feeling that he was gonna be the first unanimous guy. Ken Griffey Jr. The three writers that did not vote for him to be elected into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame need to have their voting rights, their card, whatever it is, taken away from them. Because if you don't believe that Ken Griffey Jr. was a Hall of Famer, I don't know what sport you watched. Tiddlywinks. <laughs> it's noble. Probably. Game. It's a noble game. It's a, noble, it's a noble game. It's a noble game. But um, on to the final player on this list, uh, someone who I felt like this is a good class for me and Steven because you got Roy Holiday going in and I get I get the greatest closer of all time, uh, Mariano Rivera, the man, the myth, the legend, the man who just – there was no like character that he ever had to, pers- to personificate on the mound. He was just Mo. He walked in. He stepped on the mound in the ninth inning. Got his three outs, handshake with whoever the catcher might be, Jorge Posada, uh, Joe to- uh not Joe Torre. He was the manager. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Joe Girardi. Uh, who else was? I think Gary Sanchez might have been. Was he there for one? No. Gary Sanchez was a year later. Uh, who's another one? Russell Martin's another guy. Yep. Like He threw one pitch. Mariano Rivera threw one pitch. The cutter. There was nothing else, just the cutter, and it's so amazing that he's he was able to win, as well, able to have 652 saves. <clears throat> excuse me, 
uh, all-time saves leader. All-time saves leader. Easily, like, I don't know if the Yankees have as many World Series championships without him. I don't think they do. Because he was... He's just, the one who slammed the door. Yeah. And in, and early on, you know, nowadays you see closers go two innings. All of a Mo did that. Yeah. Like the... like the When they when Joe Torre tapped him, say, hey, I need you to go one more inning. Okay. No problem. I throw one pitch. Not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. And he was so, like, just... Calm, cool, collective about it. Like you walked out to the mound, and it was like it was. He was pretty much as close to automatic as possible. A couple times, unfortunately, there were you know as closers do that you have bad breaks, and in a position that now we don't see closers last as long as as some do. Oh God, nowhere near that. Okay, he is he he stood the test of time, and I am glad as a Yankees fan. That I got to witness all of it. To go from 90, 95 to start his career in New York all the way to 2013 is the most impressive thing of all time. Something I'd like to just throw out and quote from a notable hitter. Michael Young, one of the better hitters of our generation, played for the Texas Rangers. Here is, and I quote, this is Michael Young, here's my Mo story. We'd have a guy in the on-deck circle using the metal donut. If you don't know what that is, that's the weight that they'll put on the bat when they're taking dry swings. If Jorge, Jorge Posada, set up inside, he'd knock the donut off hard. Hitter would hear it and know the cutter inside. Yeah, not very obvious. It worked. He'd get three outs on 12 pitches instead of nine. Congrats, Mo. Unbelievable. So not only did you know what pitch was coming because he threw one, yeah, you could know location and it did it not matter. matter. It was amazing. I'm happy that he's there. The fact that he's the first one, the first unanimous, is a he shouldn't be as a Yankee fan. He shouldn't be. It should have been. The, 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 it, well, it should have originally been Babe Ruth. Yeah. And if we were going to break the every, it should have been Griffey. Yeah. And it's Mo, and I get it. And like we said, he is without doubt he's the greatest closer of all mm-hmm. time. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, he's a closer. He didn't pitch as many innings. He's not a Hall of Famer. No, he's a fucking Hall of Famer because closer is position, and he's the best you can physically be at it. 1996 to 2013. He was the Yankees' closer. Almost 20 years. That's 20 years. And you want to know something? One year he had an injury. In the the, the yeah. second to last year he had an injury. So he's Towards st- ACL, and, shaggy yeah, fly balls. Shaggy fly balls. I, pff, <sighs> yeah. Don't let your closers shag fly balls. Don't let anyone. But. Happy that he got in. This is a good. I like this class. It's it's a good class. It'll be it'll be an emotional. It'll be when it's when the ceremony comes around. It'll be an emotional ceremony. Not you know just for for a guy like Edmund Marti- Edgar Martinez waiting till the finally it. getting it on the last one. Right he's Holiday. got a few of those. He's got a few teammates from those Seattle days that are going to be in the hall. Oh, there yeah. that are going to so, welcome him. Yeah. So it'll be and Marion Rivera is the first of most of those Yankees to start going in. And come next year, we will see. A couple of new classes. Who knows who goes in? You know, there's been this thing with you know when will Barry, if Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are going to get in. Larry Walker should be Larry a Walker on his the next year is his last year. He is on the tenth year. Took a huge jump this year. So so I'm I'm hoping I'm could, hoping we all get behind Larry Walker. This is this ain't a great class. No, this ain't a great class coming up. The the headline of this upcoming class for 2020 is someone who I adore. Overrated defensive shortstop. Hey, hey, you know what? Still Derek Jeter. Still the captain. Hit a lot of still singles. captain. He is still Captain Clutch. All right. 
Got five. All right. All of them up. Five World Series. Derek Jeter's one of them. Uh, I can't see anybody else really from this first class getting in. There's not a lot of notable names. So Cliff Lee, his dominance was way too short. Yeah. I have a feeling maybe a guy like Kurt Schilling will get in. Uh, he's at 16.9%. But it's Hey, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Terrible human being. Yeah. Awful human being. So I don't know what will happen. I know I, I can if Kurt get, Schilling gets in, you cannot use the steroid excuse anymore. Well, All the steroids. Eventually, I have a feeling that with the ster- with the the players who are steroids, guys like Barry Bonds, who never actually tested positive in an MLB test, or Mark McGuire, or Mark who McGuire, what he was doing wasn't like, actually illegal when he was doing it. Yeah. So there's there's a whole thing, and it's it's you'll get into it another day. But guys like Barry Bonds and and Roger Clemens are starting to creep up. Fifty nine point five for Clemens and fifty nine point one for Bonds. And I wonder if when Big Poppy comes around, because it can be very hard to keep a guy like Big Poppy, who was another guy who... Who he tested positive, though. He actually yeah. failed the drug so test. So it'll be interesting, because if you can't you can't keep... You can't put one in with steroids and keep the other guys out who took steroids. It just doesn't work like well, there that. Was all, it, and they've already started putting in. There's all the talk about Piazza. Yeah. And Jeff Bagwell. Love Jeff Bagwell. I love the of other guys. I love Jeff Bagwell. And plenty of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. That are already in the hall. But uh, that's uh, that's it for the 2019 class. We'll see what happens in 2020. Uh, it should be interesting. I know Derek Jeter will be there, and I'll probably be there front row, center, to take it all in because I love Derek Jeter. Honestly, God, I'd be, if it wasn't for the fact it's a friend of mine's birthday and I'm just going go. away for the weekend for his thing, I'd be <laughs> in Cooperstown. At- I'm sick. That's what I'd be doing. Maybe he's not listening to this because that might happen. Might happen. Um, <laughs> quickly, on we'll, we'll do basketball first before we jump right into the NHL. Um, Anthony Davis, for those who haven't been paying attention, uh, and his agent, Rich Paul, basically requested a trade out of New Orleans. And if you don't know who Rich Paul is, he is the president of Clutch Sports. They also happen to manage LeBron, and LeBron may or may not have, you know, essentially financed this whole agency. Yeah, because it's his. It's not legally, he can't really, because he's a player. You, nah. But this is his. And Rich Paul has made it known that Anthony Davis is only going to re-sign with the Lakers. Of course. Of Team course. that LeBron just went to. Yeah. It's all setting up perfectly and into a nice, neat little package for LeBron James. Um, there have been talks of who can like. There's been talks of maybe Toronto going to make a play on him, and rightfully so. The the, the Raptors are going to have to give up a lot. I've heard packages of one, including Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Siakab, OG, OG, a future first, a future first, and then probably still DeLon Wright yeah. or Fred VanVleet. You're basically going to have to give up everything for him. But it's Anthony fucking Davis. Yes, and, and, and if you're going to go all in with Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and you you told you 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 informed me that one Siakam is a year younger than one Anthony Davis. Pascal Siakam is twenty four years old. Yeah, and Anthony Davis is twenty five, turning twenty six in a couple of weeks. I think it is. So, you know, if you're gonna make a play, and if you're gonna really go for it. You know what they say? You know you're gonna jump into the pool. Don't put a fucking foot in. Just go right in. Cannonball. Fucking cannonball. <laughs> fucking who cares? And the funny thing is, the only reason we even think that the Raptors have a legitimate chance is this is because when Kawhi 
was on the market. And it was like, yeah, they're interested, but I can't see what the package is. And do they even really have enough? And even if you gave up OG and Siakam, like, what? And then they got him for Damar Pirtle, uh protected first that turns into two seconds if it's not. Okay. Yeah. Masai? Masai. I can't rule anything else Masai, out. But. So I believe in Masai. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's a, we'll see how this story develops. Lots of lots of options. Real quick, it sounds like Boston they want him the most. Danny Ainge has been waiting for this. Yeah. He has also said he probably won't. He's, he wants to resign in L.A. Maybe Danny Ainge goes for this anyways, and then maybe <laughs> funny enough, Danny Ainge loses his point guard yeah. in the off season to a certain other and then team. Might not get AD, and then all of this draft pick and rebuilding, this waiting for AD turns into losing Kyrie and AD. Everyone ends up in Look, LA. Kyrie uh, apologizing to LeBron about his comments is like the biggest And then Kyrie fucking... basically making those comments to his teammates. It's a little worrisome that maybe, just maybe, this year we might see a reunion of Kyrie and LeBron. And then instead of Kevin Love, you put Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis there, who is... And Kevin Love is an all-star. A very talented NBA player. Anthony Davis is head and shoulders and unibrow above him. <laughs> hey, if your nickname's the, the brow, like, come on. I'll, not. If you work that in. It's a good job. Thank it's you. Good job, Stephen. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep tabs on this story, let you know what the hell transpires. And let's see. On to other news. In the NHL. Also, while we were away for this week. A certain firing happened of a certain oh, gym. Boy. We have ridiculed on this show. We have made fun of. We have uh, called him an idiot. We've col- pulled up some of his past his past deals and bad. Uh, and uh, for those who don't know, Edmonton Oilers former GM Peter Shirelli now has been fired after let's just say signing a KHL goalie after what thirty five games. Who's not actually doing that well? Yeah, like, oh, we'll give him a contract because Cam Talbot hasn't worked out. And then when, you know, everyone knew he was getting fired and you let him keep going, not only did he sign Miko Koskinen to that yeah. extension, who's not doing very well, and now you got him for term and money. Good luck trying he to went, move that deal, by the oh, way. Oh, it's, Good it's fucking not going to happen. Good luck. He, he went out, he had to acquire some defensemen. So you'd think, you know, guys, one year left, not a lot of money. Brandon Manning. Got an extra year left. Makes $2.25 million. Now, that might not sound like a lot of money, but when you're paying Connor McDavid 12 and a half and Leon Dreisaitl eight and a half, Steve, well, 8.25. Steven gets very upset about this because, you know, he's got, he is a fan of a certain team that plays in a city named Toronto. Peter Shirelli and Leon Dreisaitl's contract is the direct reason for <laughs> William Nylander's holdout and contract currently and all of the issues that are coming up with Matthews and Marner. Oh, and if you're a Colorado fan, you can blame Peter Shirelli for what's going to happen with Rantanen. If you're a Calgary Flames fan, you can blame him for what's about to happen with Matthew Kachuk. Oh, he's responsible for all of this. Yeah. Well, he was fired, finally. After basically, I, I don't know what was, the, I don't know if that was the peaking point or the fact that he said, basically, I'm going to put the first rounder on the table. 
I, I, probably they were like, okay, that's it. Fine, that's get it. him out of here. See you later. And the best is they fire him, and the cost of the contract happens anyway. Well, it happened before. I know. That's the. F- I know. That's the it's thing. already it's like, been why? negotiated. Why? And, and and it was negotiated only with Peter Shirley and no one else in the organization. So why didn't remember when we were talking about this? Why wasn't he fired when the second you thought that this was an issue? Why were you going to let him continue to trade things and try and fix what, it? Like I, what I don't understand is is. He did such a bad job for so long. Okay. We'll, we're going to go through some of his trades. Okay. And the the every GM is always defined by the one trade that they make. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. And for him, it is the most glaring one of all time. Okay. It put, it put like, the, the P.K. Subban and Shea Weber trade was the biggest trade of the day. But it wasn't the stupidest trade of the day because he went about, what, 10 minutes before Bergevin and said, hey, here's Taylor Hall. He's pretty good. Yes, he's a little injury prone. We've seen it this year. He's kind of rescinded back to old Taylor Hall. But he's pretty good. And he's pretty fast. And I don't know. We have a pretty fast player. And by pretty fast, the fastest player in the NHL in Connor McDavid. We have nobody put him aside. We're going to put Milan Lucic, who is laboring off the ice. All right? Laboring. All right? He is a few donuts short of being a fucking offensive lineman in the NFL. All right? That's no shot at him. It's just he's not one. He's not like the violent player he once was. In in Boston, okay. Mm-hmm. This Milan Lucic is a shell of himself. This is a Milan Lucic who just got paid and doesn't really care. I've done my, I'm done. I got my cup. I'm good. I'm good. See you later. Like <laughs> his first trade ever as a ever as a GM with the, with the Oilers, he trades Griffin. He, tra- he trades for Griffin Reinhardt, and he trades a 2015 first and second round pick to the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. The first pick is Matt Barzell. Now, would he have been smart enough to pick Matt Barzell? Probably not. Probably not. So, to those people saying, oh, he missed out on Matt Barzell, do you think he's smart enough to draft Matt Barzell? Because have you seen his history of drafts? It's not very good. The Edmonton Oilers, like, it's uh, more people. But you scroll further down into the second round where the other pick is. Mitchell Stevens. Mitchell Stevens. Now, two picks after that. He's a guy who's having a pretty good year this year. Sebastian Ajo. And before that, Travis Dermott, who's not that bad either for the Leafs, who's playing, who's developing into a steady NHL defenseman. Something that, I don't know, the Edmonton Oilers need. Mm-hmm. Cam Talbot gives up a bunch of picks. I pff, Too lazy to go through <laughs> that because it's the Rangers. And, and in case you haven't watched the New York Rangers, they haven't been very good either. They are not very good. So. That Bob McKenzie tweet, it's one for one. <laughs> it's one for one, and Taylor Hall, someone actually got Taylor Hall to sign. I Did saw that, that last night, yeah. You know, he, That's actually why I'm remembering this, because I saw him <laughs> sign that tweet, and it was just. Like, trades for <sighs> Eric Greiba gave up a fourth, nothing crazy. Like, it, it, like trading Justin Schultz, like. You know, at the for time, nothing. for nothing, he hasn't. He never really did anything while he was in Edmonton. I thought he was a little overrated when he was coming into the NHL. So, you know, got a third round pick for Teddy Purcell, like traded Andres Nielsen. But then, you know, a funny thing happened after he traded for Patrick Maroon. He went and traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. 
traded the defensive defenseman, traded for the defensive defenseman, and gave up some offense. And there's nothing in Edmonton. Their drafting's bad. Like I could keep, we could keep going on here. Like, you know, where what do we got here? I don't know. Brandon Manning, someone who almost hurt Connor. It did almost hurt. who did, did hurt and then Connor. said he did it on purpose. Okay, the, trading Jordan Eberle. Oh yeah, this is a great one. Okay, for what was it? Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom. Then trading, trading Ryan Strom, Strom for Ryan Spooner, and then waving Ryan, Ryan Spooner. Spooner. Makes you traded you at that point. You literally traded Jordan Eberle yeah. for nothing. Yeah, and and you're having problems scoring goals this year, and mm. you're having problem keeping up with your superstar. I mean, you know who? I, I mean, Eberle hasn't had a great year, but you know who he's better than? Ryan Spooner and Ryan Strom. Yeah, it's not too good. It, oh. it, it's just a and and the signing of Milan Lucic, man. And that was another thing. The Taylor Hall trade. It wasn't just one for one. He actually traded Taylor Hall. This is this is the argument at the time for Adam Larson and Milan Lucic. That makes it look worse. Mm-hmm. A lot worse. A ton a lot worse. And it's it's look, Pierre Shirelli is one person to blame. But what about their scouting department? Because look. Mm-hmm. You can't fuck up Connor McDavid. Nope. Okay, you can't. But you can fuck up other picks. Like all of them? Like every single one of them. It's like not Oscar Clefbaum and Darnell Nurse. Okay, because let's go back to a recent draft. Not that far ago. A draft where a lot of Canadian teams picked pretty high. You draft Jesse Poyarvi. <laughs> you're at the fourth pick, and you draft Jesse Poyarvi. Supposed to go. You're supposed to go a lot higher than a that. A lot higher than that, but fell. You could draft a guy in your own division, Matthew Kachuk. Imagine him beside Connor McDavid, or another player who is poorly on an island that is Arizona. I know Arizona's not an island, but he's stuck there for a little while until he's going to be in a UFA. Clayton Keller, who's another, who's a little shifty, could probably skate with Connor McDavid. And and we probably, he could skate with Connor McDavid. Okay? Even if you would have drafted Mikhail Sergachev, Charlie McAvoy, anything other than Jesse Poyarvi. It is a calamity of errors from top to bottom. Who's Bob Nicholson? The yep. guy who ran Hockey Canada. Yep. He's the guy there. Like he's their president of president of hockey. He, he doesn't do the ho- he actually doesn't do the hockey stuff. He does the business side. But he was brought in to bring in Peter Shire- who He's the one who brought in Peter Shirelli to run the hockey operations. Like it's so many. Like it's just not the trades. It's not the bad signings. It's the bad drafting. And when you dra- look, you can't fuck up Connor McDavid, but you can fuck up five picks later. Yeah. You can fuck up your second, third, fourth. Because if you don't draft, like, at the end of the day, if there's nothing in the, if there's no water in the well and the water is your prospects and you keep going and going and there's nothing there, what are you doing? If you've noticed, they can't even hit on first overall picks all the time. <sighs> Body. Brian Nugent Hopkins. Bust. Well, yeah. he's better than Nelly Akbaf. To be drafted as high as you was, he's a bust. 
He's a bust. He's the definition. He's one of the busts. Like, where else are they? Let's see. Like, thank God they didn't fuck up Leon Dreisaitl. They're very lucky they didn't fuck up Leon Dreisaitl. They tried. They tried. They tried very hard. Because they, remember when they played him when he was not ready and sent him back to junior? Yeah. Like, After they'd already burnt the year? Where else? Darnell Nurse. A good defenseman. But when Rasmus Sosterlein is one pick down, but Horvat could use him. Max Domi, you know, there there are guys that are like through the drafts where it's just like bad pick after bad pick, and you're getting gifted first overall picks. Gifted them when you're not even there are teams that are so bad that need the first overall pick, and you're gift. Poor Connor McDavid is on an he is legit on an island of nothing. At least Clayton Keller, hey, there's a little hope. They play solid defense in Arizona, and I like that about them. Edmonton's got nothing. They're like, it's something in the wood. No, no, no. It's you guys. It's your organization. You're so... It's you're from fun. the owner down. It is. From Daryl Cates all well, the it, way down. Was it you telling me that like the, his son is basically like, I like that player. Go oh, get that him. wasn't me. No, no, no. Somebody me. told me that. But you, but you know you know what's really interesting? You know all those GMs that they fired? The old Oilers boys clubs. All the guys that played on those championship teams. They couldn't get it right and kept getting fired because they were awful. They all still work there. You know who's running the team right now with Peter Shirelli gone? Wayne Gretzky's son. Craig McTavish. Oh, Craig McTavish. I thought when Gretzky's son They're all still in there. Craig McTavish is a dude. Gretzky's son might be the one who got the figurehead, like, position. Yeah. But Kevin Lowe's still there to make personnel decisions. Craig McTavish is still there to make personnel decisions. They're all still there. We're still here. (laughs) We're still here. We're still here. What a fucking bad way. In a bad way. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, Edmonton's a good hockey city. Yeah. Okay? I'm not, not they dissing got fans the great, that care, that know not, what's going on. I'm not disrespecting the great people of Edmonton. No. I'm just disrespecting your team because there are And so, not even just your... It's not even necessarily your team because it's not the players' fault. It's not fault. the players. They didn't, they didn't ask for this. Oh, God, no. Okay? They didn't ask for this. No. Connor McDavid even gave you back money. <laughs> he had to. Really, they had no choice. No, but you know what I mean? Like, like you even had your best player be like, you know what, I can't actually sign for all that much. Here's some money back. Sorry, it's, I think it's Gretzky's brother because he's 51. Yeah, it's Gretzky's brother. Yeah, Craig McTavish, Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Sutter, Vice President, Player Personnel. Where's Kevin Lowe? Keith, Keith Gretzky, Assistant General Manager. That's, yep. Bill Scott, Director, Salary Cap Management, blah, blah, blah. Scott Housen. Vice President, Player Development, Bob Green, Ken Hitchcock. I feel bad for you. You came out of retirement you for this. Sh- yeah, I don't know what's your... Glenn Gutzelzan, whatever the fuck his name is. It doesn't matter. Gullitson? Gullitson. Like the coach for the... Yeah. Calgary, uh, yeah. Like, oh, where is he? Look for Kevin Lowe, because I, I think know he's I, there. I think I have to go to Thing, because I'm in their, their coaching management. Oh, he might be like a special advisor or some bullshit. Front office. Daryl Katz. Bob Nicholson. Poor Wayne Gretzky's got a Oilers Entertainment Group. Kevin Lowe. See, he told you. Oh, man. Told you. Oh, boy. Jeez. It's so bad there. And it's just going to get worse. You yeah. think it's going to get better? You know, you know what's funny? Speaking of something wrong with the water, you poison the well, and then instead of 
cleaning the well, you threw more shit on top of it. It's over. It's over. Good luck, Connor McDavid. You're going to need it. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I feel very bad for him. On to other hockey news. Trade happened. Speaking of of trades that aren't bad, the Maple Leafs traded for Jake Muzzin from Woodstock, Ontario. Uh, Traded, got him from the LA Kings. First round pick. OHL defenseman. Sean Dursey, oft injured. However, if you look at the point totals, he's putting up with the Owen Sound attack. They're very impressive. Mm -hmm. He was a second round pick this year. But he's an overager, which means he wasn't actually drafted in his draft year. He mm-hmm. was drafted the second time around. So as much as I like Sean Dursey and he puts up great numbers, I don't know what he is. And Carl Grundstrom is someone that Leafs fans have heard a lot about. He's a guy that under Kyle Dubas and Justin Bourne talks about this all the time. He's a guy who used to work for the Marlies. He writes for The Athletic. They, the, the analytics team with Kyle Dubas found Carl Grundstrom. They thought he was undervalued, so they took him in the second round. He's like Leo Komarov, except he's big. He's like 6'2 and just a nasty son of a bitch who can score every once in a while, who's got some speed. But when they interviewed someone from the Kings' front office, Mike Fuda, he said, point blank, they expect him to be a bottom six forward. So you traded a lottery ticket in Sean Dursey, right-handed defenseman, puts mm-hmm. up a lot of points, oft injured, small guy, but you don't know what he's going to be. Correct. You traded a potential bottom six forward. He's not even in the NHL yet, but a guy that the team acquiring him thinks ceiling is bottom six. And a first-round pick that's probably going to be 25 to 31. Most likely. I'd really like it if it was 31, but... And you got Jake Muzzin, who... I don't know. In the worst evaluation is a three, four. In the worst I'd say, evaluation, I, I'd give him two, three. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. In the, put him in, the, at the four. in the worst evaluation. So in the best evaluation. Now I'm not someone who believes this. There are people that look at his numbers, his analytics, and saying his underlying numbers. It's not Drew Doughty that makes him. It's him that makes Drew Doughty. Now I'm not saying that because. It's, I don't think that's a fact. I think Drew Doughty is... Drew Doughty. Exactly. One of the greatest defensemen in the NHL right now, despite what's happening this season and the fact that he signed that big contract. But before then, he's really he's living in He's living in LA. He really cares. He is On a team that sucks that bad? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But he's really good. But the point is that Jake Muzzin wasn't a passenger with Drew Doughty. That at the very no, he held his he exact he drove play by himself. He wasn't the guy that like was a. I have to use the player because this is who Jake Muzzin is replacing in Ron Hainsey. Ron Hainsey back in his day, decent defenseman. Ron Hainsey last year for the first couple months. Great. But you know what? When you're 36 at the time, he's 37 right now, and you play all two minutes of a penalty kill. It's rough. How you wear a guy out. Yeah. And Jake Muzzin will now help move some guys down in the lineup like Ron Mm -hmm. Hainsey because – I imagine that Jake Muzzin's going to slot in right beside Morgan Riley. I would think I would think so. I can't see why he wouldn't. He's a lot faster than Ron Hainsey. And and for the Leafs, they get an upgrade on the blue line. 
without a doubt. They get a, like a true, true defenseman who can play this thing that is lacking in the NHL from some defensemen. It's called defense. There's a lack of it. He also has an extra year left, so this wasn't a so straight it's, rental. It's not a rental, so you get him for one more year after this and the potential to re-sign him, hopefully to a cap-friendly deal for the Leaf fans because I know that they have two players that be coming up <laughs> on a certain RFA. They, we won't mention them. We'll mention them a little later on. In the year? Well, there's already talk that Austin Matthews is getting I know, close I know. to a deal. Mitch Marner's not signing until after Austin Matthews. We'll see what happens there. But yeah. But it is an upgrade for the Leafs. This is a deal because I'm sure the Leafs are preparing to play a certain team that wears black and yellow, is from the state of yeah. Massachusetts, in the Boston Bruins. And. You're going to need all the help you can get to one shut down. Because this is how the Boston Bruins work. They are a one-line team full of three lines of grinders. They're going to grind. The three lines will grind you like into mincemeat and trying to keep pushing it and make you just watch your back every time you're going in the corner. And then, and then you have the Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron line that comes on and scores a million fucking goals. And for some reason, David Pasternak right. just loves scoring against the Leafs more than anyone else for some godforsaken reason. But we don't know why. And it's 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 a lot of things. This is a big deal. This is a deal for the Leafs. Does it? Our preseason, you know, Stanley Cup favorite to win the whole thing is is Tampa Bay. And yes, it makes them. It gives them still a shot against Tampa Bay because if you eventually beat Bo- if you beat Boston in the first round, you might have to play Tampa Bay in the next round. Does this help you? Yes, because you have to contend with everything Steven in Tampa. Stamkos, Steven Braden Braden Point, Point Nikita, Nikita Kucherov, Kucherov, Victor uh, Hedman, Andrew, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, Alex Kalorn, your boy uh, Yanni Gord. The Andre. list goes on and on. This is a, a is a solid deal for the Leafs. I I like. Some I said I go he's a two three I go he's he's a two three I go that's a fair evaluation of him, you know in retro if you look at what a certain team that the, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Lightning what they got for kind of the same package they got two players well, they gave up less they gave up less and, and got more. more so yeah because like, Steve Eiserman's a ninja yes but and the Rangers are yeah. stupid but we talked about that trade exactly this is a deal that's going to help the Leafs. And this is a player that they could keep around for a couple of years as well. I'm sure that being a Toronto Toronto fan growing up, being from Woodstock, Woodstock, Ontario, which is not far from Toronto, it is very likely that he probably resigns a deal. And even if he doesn't, having the extra year, he it's, can be the direct replacement for Gardner, and then you have other kids coming. Exactly. Maybe at that point, two years from now, Dermot has taken a bigger step. Because yeah. don't expect him to be Jake Gardner next year. No. No, 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 no. Because people seem to hate Jake Gardner, but I, we've had this conversation. Yes. Before Morgan Riley took his step this year, Jake Gardner was the Leafs' best defenseman. And the way I describe Jake, he plays about 25 minutes a night. This was back in the day when he was playing about 25 minutes a night. For 24 of them, he's the best defenseman on the ice for your team. Mm-hmm. However, for one minute, once or twice a game, There's something crazy. Jake just forgets what planet he's on, goes for a little walk, and then bad things happen. But other than these 
rare, these moments and people go, oh, they happen all the time. They don't. You, confirmation bias. You just assume they happen all the time and you forget all the excellent things he does until that happens. Mm-hmm. Jake Muzzin isn't going to make those mistakes. Okay, He's going to slide in next year. It sets up for two years from now. Maybe Dermot takes that step. Maybe Rasmus Sandin, someone you've heard a lot, mm-hmm. comes up. It also gives you more time to add defensemen looking for agency. And again, maybe even re-sign Jake Muzzin. Yeah. Lots of moves that can happen. And on to our final topic of this show. Busy we, day. We've, it's been a busy day in sports, and it's going to get busier because we are at the end of the NFL season. The last game of the entire NFL season has culminated to the Super Bowl, where we have the 11-5 and New England Patriots taking on the 13-3 and Los Angeles Rams. I this game is a very interesting game. There's been a lot of talk, like for we'll start with New England. Could this be Gronk's last game? You know, he's he's his body has a lot of heavy miles on it, a lot of surgeries, a lot of you know And and for a guy who has a persona of well, I can't really put this in a nice way. People think he's just a big dummy. He's a big frat boy dummy, and he just has a lot of fun. He's not all that bright. Gronk's actually saved a lot of his money. Mm-hmm. He might be a frat boy, and he might like to party, but when it com- and he might like to make 69 jokes and all the things that Gronk does. But when it comes to his money, Gronk doesn't need to keep playing. No. He's set himself up for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Him and his family are set for the rest of their lives. He doesn't need to keep playing, and he's not as dumb as you think he is. So, again, he might have that frat boy appearance, Mm -hmm. but he's smart enough to know, and you can hear it in quotes like the one he gave yesterday, which would have been Wednesday, because, again, we're a little late here on Thursday. A little late, just a touch late. Talking about your head might not – it might not be headshots that you're taking, but your brain doesn't like it when you're constantly getting hit in the hips and knees Mm -hmm. and thought and – and sustaining major back injuries and undergoing massive surgeries. Yeah. This this Patriots team is, we, you know, we mentioned it last week, like there's this whole thing, and, and listening more and more about like how it's it's Brady and this us-against-the-world mentality that nobody, it's like you were favored against the Chargers. Yes, people said the Chargers are a good team, and they, they are. I'm never picking them ever in any no, big no, spot. No, no, we've established because, this. They're done. Because they they're chokers, they're, they're frauds. They're chokers and they're frauds. They're good. They're talent, but they don't got anything. No substance. And against Kansas City, yeah, you're an underdog. And the only reason you were an it's not like you're like a 17-point underdog. You're what? A, you were probably at game time a two-and-a-half to two-point underdog? Because you're on the, the road, road in Arrowhead. Man. Like, what do you want? Like, you're playing the potential MVP in the season who has, has had a better season than you. Like, what the hell do you want? Like, there's this whole, like, oh, it's against the world. There's He plays with a chip on his shoulder, and, he, and I think he's okay, trying listen. to imagine in his head. Tom Brady is 41 years old and can still list every quarterback drafted ahead of him. Yeah. He does this. He creates... Oh, who was it who said this? This was a Michael Jordan thing. Michael Jordan used to create quotes. Yeah. By other by by opposing teams mm-hmm. and and think that this guy said this and then want to end them, they create the chip on their shoulder. Yes, and everyone hears the famous stories about Michael Jordan. He was cut from his 
uh, high school basketball team, blah, 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 all this other stuff. He carries this with, wasn't the first overall pick. It was Sam Bowie. Yeah. Was, he carries these chips. Brady has a lot bigger of a chip considering yes. about how his came, come up happened. And he does this where he creates an enemy. Mm-hmm. And it's what he's doing because what did we say? What have we been saying when the Chiefs in their retirement party bullshit? Yeah, Show me the, the body. body. I need a body. You know what we haven't seen yet? A fucking body. You know what I'm afraid? That we're not going to see one. Yeah. We're not going to see. I, the Super Bowl's in Atlanta. I don't want to watch this. Steven's very. He's, a lot of memories. A lot of triggered memories I don't need to have. Yeah. You have. It's a funny It's a funny thing how the world of sports works. It's 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 very strange how some things like they happen for reasons that we don't know at the time, but maybe if you dig deeper in underneath everything, you start to see something. Okay, a lot of dynasties have been launched by moments. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Steelers were launched by the Immaculate Reception. Okay, the the Cowboys were launched by the fact that. Minnesota was crazy and traded everything to them, and they were able to draft Marshall everything. Walker trade. Okay, and probably win more Super Bowls if Jerry Jones isn't a complete fool. And they didn't get rid of Jimmy John. Johnson. Yeah. They might oh, win yeah. more. Okay, the Tuck Rule. Okay, Patriots fans know the Tuck Rule very well. You know there can't be us against the world when you get gifted the Tuck Rule because the end of the day, the Tuck Rule launched the Patriots dynasty. If there is no Tuck Rule, we maybe never see or hear from Tom Brady ever again. Drew Bledsoe is back as starter. Tom Brady probably traded away for a sixth round pick, and who knows if he ever if this ever happens. A missed pass interference call in an AF, in an NFC Championship game potentially could launch the next dynasty in the NFL. That is the Los Angeles Rams, because eighteen years ago. The New England Patriots were the underdogs. The New England Patriots were this upstart team still trying to find their way with a California quarterback and a head coach who hadn't really been proven to do anything. A lot of, we need to see something. We need substance. And the LA Rams, like those those early Patriots teams, I'm talking the early, early Patriots teams where they ran the football, played solid defense, Insulated Tom Brady. Brady away from the world. And funny enough, Ange, 18 years later, who did the Patriots play in that first Super hmm, Bowl? They played a team that were called the Rams. Now, at the time, they were the St. Louis Rams, but they were dubbed the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce. Bruce. Or no, Tory Holt. Yeah, Tory Holt, Holt and Isaac, and Isaac Bruce. Bruce. Like they had a good defense, but the Patriots beat them up. They overcame. They overcame everything and put a certain kicker named Adam Vinatieri, who had been in the league for a few years, into a moment become to become the greatest, the greatest kicker, clutch kicker of all time. Greatest kicker of all time, greatest clutch kicker of yeah. all time. Just as won Super Bowls, not only for Brady, but also for Peyton Manning. Okay? Take into perspective that Adam Vinatieri is still playing in the league. Yeah. Okay? Kickers, you, look how quickly kickers are gone. They can play late into their careers. If they're really good. But exactly. They don't usually get to play into their 40s. No. 
because they're not that consistent. Yeah. He's the highest, and he's the highest scoring player in NFL history, Adam Vinatieri, because he's ki- and he's he's like, imagine this. Now you have potentially the next great kicker, Greg the Leg Zerline Legatron. Like there's so many things, and what got the LA Rams to this point in the super uh, being in the Super Bowl? A non-call. That a non-call. Should have been a call. call. Should have been two penalties. Actually. Okay, there's a lot of calls. There's a pass interference and there's a helmet to helmet. But the refs let him play, and everyone's up in arms, like Oakland Raiders fans were, and still are. And still I have, are. I have Fred, uh, Fred, well, a couple friends New Orleans, that are Raiders fans. New Orleans Saints fans are never forget this moment because they're up in arms because you see Sean Payton doing yeah, his interview the, with the clown shirt on. Yeah, like you know what? You couldn't see it; it was underneath. But oh, you could you see, see just the, enough, and just that color, you know, you know, you know, color. you know the color. So now here we are: Brady first Goff, McVeigh first Belichick. Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson versus Sonny Michelle and James White. Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan yeah, and whoever else. And Gronk versus Robert Woods, former New England Patriots, Brandon Cooks. Like, there's... Former New Orleans Saints. Former New Orleans Saints. Like, And then you have the defenses where you have a guy named Akeem Tlaib former New England Patriots, mm-hmm. Marcus Peters, a goof. It's gotten a bit better since Keep the Leap came back. Yeah. Which I, I think we talked about okay. setting that game up. And they have potential, they have, I will say it, the best defensive player in all of NFL, the NFL in Aaron Donald. Who is a freak? Who is an absolute freak? Okay, he's he's 298 and he's got a six-pack. Oh, did you see that picture? Yeah. That I, is not, that, I... And two, whatever. And I don't have a six pack. I got keg. All right. <laughs> Proud of it. Keg's more fun to play. All right. Just saying. This is this is going to be a game where it's going to come down to. Uh, personally, this is going to be a high school. I think it's going to be a high scoring game where it's going to come down to the defenses to make a play. A lot like last year's Super Bowl was, where it was a defensive play that, at the end of the day, it's always going to be a defensive play that wins you the games. It's never going to be – it's going to be a stop. It's going to be a, a sack fumble, an interception, and the superstars that the Rams have. NFL players are rooting for the Rams because it'll put more emphasis on trying to build winners through like people going getting and getting paid. stars because they traded for guys. Yeah, there's not going to be this let's try and sit back and, and do it. And then, like, you know, L.A., California, everything's cool in LA. Everything's nice, you know. Win and, and this and that, and in, in in New England, in Boston, in Massachusetts, it's a lot different. It's a lot. This is the Patriot way. This is the way we've done it for so long. We're gonna do it our way. We're gonna be buttoned up, professional, little to nothing in the media. We're not gonna say anything. We're gonna build up the other team and not, you know, insult them like certain cornerback for the Rams did. To the Bleacher Report, who wouldn't shut the fuck? Do they not learn, Stephen? They not no, learn. They not learn from the but, Brady retirement party. Yeah, but one thing I'd like to bring up: Tom Brady's history in Super Bowls, pretty good. Where he struggles, teams with good defensive lines. Remember those Giants teams? Beat them twice. Remember last year, that Eagles team. The Eagles. One of the best rotations of defensemen, defensive linemen ever assembled. Well, ever assembled, like, then a team that went that far. 
Because there's been times on paper that they've there's been ridiculous front sevens and then guys mm-hmm. get hurt or just suck. But in terms of a team that actually put it all together. And and what do the Rams happen to have? Aaron Donald happens to be a defensive tackle. And Dominican Sue, defensive tackle. They traded for Dante Fowler, defensive end. Michael Brockers, defensive tackle, plays end sometimes. They have the pieces to make this really interesting mm-hmm. because Tom Brady, if you bring pressure off the edges, he just steps up. You know why the Giants had so much success? Well, you had Human Yor and Strahan coming off the edges and then Justin Tuck collapsing the middle. It's the same reason the Eagles had so much success. You had the guys coming off the ends. And then you had someone yeah. collapsing the middle. And you know what's going to happen with the Rams? Same thing. Guys are going to come off the edge. Now the difference is the ones collapsing the middle are the two potentially best defensive tackles in football. Aaron Donald does come off the edge sometimes. He moves all over the place. Because Wade Phillips likes to do fun things like that. And this is and this is a defense sort of built like those Broncos defenses that Wade Phillips was a part of that won the Super Bowls, got into the Super Bowls. He has he stopped the Patriots on the Patri- route. Yeah, like Wade Phillips has kept Brady in check for a lot of these games. And this is defenses sort of built the same. Who are on those teams? Who happens to be actually on the Rams and was on the Broncos? A guy like Akeem Tlaib, who's is I can almost guarantee is going to follow Gronk around. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna or have, Mar- or actually, yeah, because maybe Peters follows around. I think Peters is gonna follow around Hogan. I think I think what they're gonna try and do is they're gonna play. They're gonna see how Peters. They're gonna move Peters around a lot, where he's gonna play against Hogan I, I almost, and against Edelman. I almost wonder if Talib, because he's more of a man corner, mm-hmm. matches up against one of the receivers, and you have Peters against Gronk because. Gronk can't run away from Peters, and Peters' big problem is getting burned by speed res- is having guys just torch him. Right. Gronk can't torch anyone anymore. And Akeem Tlaib might not be all that fast, but you know what he does really well? Bullying smaller. Is- he bullied Michael Thomas. Yeah. Michael Thomas. He's a big who- boy. He was a monster. Okay. Six foot three, 220 pounds. That's a big boy. Yeah. What happens if Keep Tlaib gets his hands on Julian Edelman? Mm-hmm. And Keep Tlaib, for for football players, this is the only time that this is actually like a positive thing. Keep Tlaib's got a screw or two loose. <laughs> screw. I think he's uh, he's a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Okay. So Keep Tlaib is one who is not. He's looking to stay. He. Akeem Tlaib's not just looking for a fight. Akeem Tlaib's wishing somebody would. He wants to start a fight. He He just is giving you, give me an excuse. Michael Crabtree, you wore your chain. I said I was going to take it. I did it once. I'll do it again. Exactly. This is, it's, you know, it's this constant thing, too, of Brady versus time. When's time going to catch up to him? Because time... Father time time, is undefeated. Undefeated forever. Okay? It eventually catches you. And for Tom Brady, a lot of people have asked, like, will this be your last one? Like, is this your last run at it? And and someone brought this up, too, is the fact that he has this TB12 method that he has, this program that he runs for, as you get older, for maintaining your body, longevity, being able to still be physically active as you get into your 40s, and... He's going to try and stick around for as long as humanly possible. Now, 
in the NFL, obviously, to protect the quarterbacks, and he plays in the weakest division in all the NFL in the AFC East. So, yeah, he'll stick around. He may not be Gronk, maybe the last run, but if Brady loses another one here, mm-hmm. well, that, that'll be four. So he'll be five and four in the big game. Like, this, too, for his legacy, like, he wins, he ties the Steelers. The Patriots tie the Steelers for most Super Bowls by a franchise. It's so interesting to watch this because it's like we like I've said it it could be the passing of the torch here from the last dynasty to the next dynasty in the NFL because the way it's shaping up Sean McVay is looking like a wizard. He's turned this team around, he turned Jared Goff from bust who didn't know where the sunset or rose into this juggernaut team. One win away from the Super Bowl. Is this the end? Like, I know we talked. We talked now, about. Here's the thing. We also to couch all of our excitement about the Rams. What have we been saying since the beginning of this podcast? When we talk about the Patriots, show me the body. So as much as I can get excited about all of these things, and there's like there's mm-hmm. maybe this history aspect that Angelo's brought up that's a little too perfect. That's kind of scary, it's, actually. It's when you scary, think about yeah, it, I know. But show me the body, because until you kill them, they're not dead. They're like a vampire. Yeah. You have to put, the, you have to take the stake right in the heart, and you make sure that you hit it about a thousand times. Overkill. Overkill. All right. Care. There are elements to this game that are eerily scary too. The fact that both teams have Georgia running backs. Patriots have Sonny Michelle yep. and Todd Gurley, who I would expect a lot better of a game from this one. And it's big time. This is, you know, in the big moments, your superstars are supposed to step up. And who has more superstars is the Rams. But the Patriots have done it this way so many times. And they have the experience. Yeah. They have the experience. All the pressure. And you, New England fans can try and deflect that. Oh, there's no pressure. All the pressure is on you guys. If the Rams lose, it's not a big deal. Because they lost to the Patriots. Because they lost to the Patriots. But if you lose to the Rams, it'll be year two that you've lost. And it would have been really three times in a row that you should have lost because, you know, the Falcons had them down and dead and, and just let them up a little bit off the mat. But the the, the Eagles last year with Nick Foles beating this team. So the Rams have a better defense than the Eagles. And Jared Goff has had played a very he outplayed Drew Brees last week. Mm-hmm. They have the better rushing attack. They don't have Legarrette Blount, but they have the better they rushing. Have the better attack. receivers. They have the better receivers. Like the Patriots. Yes, people are saying they're old, but it's because they are older. They've been doing this for so long. What do you think? You don't get older. You get older. You, here's a great example. Julian Edelman is the same age as Sean McVay, and they played against each other in college. One of them's a wide receiver for the Patriots. The other is the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Like, you've been around a while. You've been around a while. You've dominated a while. 18 years. Like, you've dominated a while. It's not like it's a... It's, it's, the, Patriots, if, like, uh, the Patriots franchise from this whole Brady era... If it was a person, they could go buy lottery tickets and smokes. Yeah, no, not smokes. You got to be nineteen. But you could buy booze in Quebec. 
<laughs> think about that for a second. Like, put that into, like, think about that. The whole person. People weren't born. People who are Patriots fans, I'm using air quotes, Patriots fans. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of okay, those. Okay, a lot of them. We work with one. We work with one. He might actually be below you right he now. He probably is. They weren't Patriots fans when they were, like, they just jumped on the bandwagon that was the, the coolest because they have great. The team that always wins. Team that always wins. That you see all the time because they're always in the Super Bowl. So, you know, can the Patriots win this game? Hell yes. And that terrifies me. And it terrifies me. Because I don't want them to. I don't. You. It's I, in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Like, there's so many things for me and Steven to pick roll because it's in Atlanta. They would tie the Steelers for most Super Bowls. Like, if you can't tell who we kind of want to win, it's, it's, it's yeah, pretty fucking it, obvious. And the worst part is, is we both still think it'll probably be the Patriots. Exactly. Just we have hope that the Rams maybe get this done. <sighs> Too many weird things. But I want your score prediction and winner Ooh, for this game. Score and, prediction. Score what you think the score will be and give me an MVP of, of this Super Bowl. Okay. I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm I just going to my surprise. The LA Rams. Okay. At a score Ooh. of 34 to 31. Ooh. And the MVP, after being mysteriously missing in the last game, even though he scored a touchdown against the Rams or the Saints, Todd Gurley reappears with a vengeance. Super Bowl MVP, because can't give it to Sean McVay, because realistically that's who I think should probably end up winning it. Yeah. Todd Gurley, 34 31. L.A. Rams, please, dear God, do not let the Patriots lift the Lombardi Trophy in Atlanta. Stevens praying. I am going to say that I've picked against I've picked against them all all year long. Like in, in the playoffs, we picked the Chargers. I picked Kansas City, even though we thought maybe they're stupid. But I'm going to take the New England Patriots. As much as it pains me, pains Stephen. I just have this fucking weird yeah, feeling. Like I'm there with you. Okay, it's it just too. It's too weird, you know. And I'm going to say it's going to be a 28 to 27 game. Stephen Goskowski kicks a field goal to win it, and Sonny Michelle. Oh, the other Georgia. Back. The other Georgia back. Is the MVP? He carries, I think, a lot of the load. If he if he's able to if he's able to he's gonna to, have a hard he's time. gonna have a very hard time. I will say that. Like, but if he comes out and is able to do it, oh god, that actually makes me sick because so, if he does have a good game, they are gonna oh. yeah. And it pains, it hurts the soul, unfortunately. But you know what? I wish there was like a video feed just so you could see while we've been talking about this, just some of the faces that have been made. <laughs> it's not a good one. It's, 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 it's not good. I hate it. Do I want the Rams to win? Yes, I need the Rams to win. I really do. Yeah. Okay. The only one. I can't, I can't listen to Patriots fans anymore. I'm done with Patriots fans. I'm tired of it. It's uh, L.A. Sunday, come out and win the game. Please. 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 For the love of God, all Please. that is good in the NFL I want to hate the Rams for a little while. Can I please hate the Rams? For can the Rams just become the Warriors and they can be the Death Star and we can hate them and, and have something else to hate? And it'll be okay. We don't mind hating the Rams. I'm tired of hating the Patriots. I'm tired of watching Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. I'll hate Sean McVay for a little while. I got no problem with it. <laughs> Anyways, this is the Last Word Podcast. 
Enjoy the Super Bowl. I am Angela Lippa. I'm Steve Artabello. And I figured no better way to end this show. To close it out To close it would. out if you would. With the music that w- that used to accompany the man, the greatest closer of all time, the first first the first unanimous Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a good week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>